listening to the Save the Marriage podcast. Your marriage can be saved and strengthened if you have the right information. Join Dr. Lee Bauckham as he explores ways for you to improve your relationship and your life, starting right now. Over the years, I've noticed that there are some myths that seem to really catch us off guard and throw us into some difficult marriage situations. Now, if you remember myths from childhood, you might remember reading about myths from other countries and cultures, and they're these stories that carry with them truths. But there's another way of thinking about a myth, and that is a false idea we hold about something. It's a false idea that gets us into a lesson that maybe we didn't mean to have. And this is especially true in those more tricky areas of life where you're trying to figure out exactly what's going on around you. I don't know whether you grew up in a home with a healthy marriage or an unhealthy marriage. And if it was a healthy marriage, whether you ever actually saw what happened behind closed doors that helped it to be healthy. And because of that, we're all guessing and and trying to figure out what's going on in a marriage. And then we jump into this relationship where just after a very short um, service, we're thrown out into the wild and, and we're told, you know, with really no explanation, pat on the back and, hey, go have a great life. Sometimes that gets us into trouble. Sometimes that gets us stuck into to living out these old patterns that maybe we've heard somewhere. Maybe we saw in the movies or read in books or saw it in magazines or imagined seeing it in our family members or close friends. And, and it leaves us with a deficit. So today I want to puncture a few of these myths. And then uh, next time, the next podcast, I'll continue with a few more myths. So let me just start with a big one. Let me just start with one that we have a very clear evidence gets us into trouble. And that is the myth that there is the one, that one person out of what, six billion people or more people on the planet, there's that one person that is your exact spouse. Now, this is why that belief gets us into trouble. First of all, there are probably lots of people that we could find compatibility with, but there really is that person, not the person, but there's that person that we've decided to connect with. I hear the same myth in other areas. Some people tell me that they have the job, the position, or or the whatever, and you fill in the blank, and then down the road, as that doesn't quite pan out, then they're in trouble. Because there are some problems right off the bat with being the one. First of all, if it's the one that is cosmically or or somehow meant to be, then that one person should fit perfectly. There shouldn't be any struggles. Everything should work well, and, and there shouldn't have to be any difficult times along the way, which means that we're in trouble when we hit a difficult time. First, if it's the one... We don't want to prove that we have to work at it because it's the one. Second, when it is difficult, we don't know what to do because now we're lost in what the one is. So there's pretty clear statistical evidence that people who believe that there is that one person, the one person in the whole world that is the one that has to be their mate, tend to have the more difficult time with their marriage. Those who believe that they make it right in the relationship they find tend to have a better outcome. My belief is that there are these two phases to our relationship life. The first phase is kind of the dating phase, and the second phase is the marriage or commitment phase. 
The dating phase is not really the relationship. It's trying to figure out if there is a relationship to be had. It's the time when we're trying to sort out, is this the right person to go forward with? Is this the right one for me at this point? Now, I do believe that once you're married, you make it right. And so I believe that the front side is pretty important to figure out, if, is this the person that you have compatible moral values with? Is this a person that you're willing to struggle with when the times get tough, that you're willing to go through those difficult times? Is this a person that you trust to have your back and that you will have their back? Those are the kind of measurements on the front side, because once we get into marriage, then you're trying to make that relationship right. The problem is that when we believe there is the one, that one person out of the six billion or however many people there are on the planet that we have somehow managed to find, then we get to the place where we don't know what to do when it's a struggle. It throws us off because it's not supposed to be if there's the one. But if we start right off the bat by saying that every relationship has its its places of struggle, then we know what we do in those times of struggle. We work through them. When we've committed to it, we now know what to do. So that first myth is a big one. Is it's There is the one. The second one, it's closely kind of related to that, is the belief that you should always want to be together. That there should never be a time when you aren't quite sure about the relationship. You should always be at that top. Now notice there is a word that often pops up in these myths, and that's the word should. Because should is in, this, in our mind somewhere that we have this belief that ties us down. Not so much that it's helpful, but it ties us down. And this is true in this one, that you should always want to be together. Many times I've had people come in and say, you know, right now I'm just not sure if I want to be married. And they said, so I'm not sure what to do about that. And my response is, well, let's wait it out. Let's work on it and move to a different place. It's kind of like anything in life. You have these fluctuations. There are some days when I want to go run, and there are other days when I don't so much want to go run and exercise. There are days when I want to go to my job and and get in busy with work and doing all the things I do. Then there are some days when I'd just rather leave it alone. There are some days when I want to be busy and other days I want to be quiet. We have a a rhythm to our day that's okay. And then when we get to this most important relationship, We believe that somehow there should always be this incredibly connected state, that it should always be there. And the fact is, that's not the case. Connection, the feeling of connection, ebbs and flows in life with anyone in our life. And so even though you may start a relationship off trying to uh, find any space, you know, you always want to gather, you want to share every moment with this person. And then you expect that that's how it's going to be the rest of your life. You kind of extrapolate from the beginning infatuation stage where you're just wanting to always spend time together to the rest of your life. And it's not the same stage. At some point, life kind of becomes normal. We go to our routine and and so we can expect that there's going to be some fluctuations in how much we want to be connected. The third myth that I kind of want to address today is is also related to this, and that's the, the belief that being compatible, meaning that you fit together, means that you like the same things, see things alike, and agree on everything. That your interests, your decisions, sex, everything is going to be at the same place. Now, the reason that we have this belief is because that's kind of how it feels in the beginning. 
You remember that stage at the beginning? I, I, most relationships start at the same place where you meet somebody and there's a little spark there and you start talking and sharing and you start kind of spending more time together. And at some point you have this conversation that just seems to go on forever and yet is over in a flash. You know, you talk all night and you share your dreams and your visions and you can't believe how much you have the same kind of dreams in life. And you like the same food and, and that quirky band you both like and those strange hobbies you both enjoy and the same outlooks on life that nobody else around you seems to have. And wow, you just believe that you're so compatible. Well, there is a stage of connection where we're looking kind of at the service stuff, and I call that pseudo-intimacy. Pseudo-intimacy is when we're kind of pretending that we're all just alike, and that's the myth of compatibility. Compatibility is not about that layer. But we buy into that because in the beginning, that's what we're doing. We're kind of comparing notes, but we're comparing the notes that are the highlights of our lives, not the rest of our life, not the lowlights of things, the difficult times. And so because of that, we fall into this trap of believing that we are just so much alike. This is just meant to be, forgetting that in some ways that was not true from the very beginning. Everybody has their individual thoughts and beliefs, and everybody have, has different times when they're interested in different things, and when they have uh, decisions to make, there are going to be disagreements. And it's the same kind of thing when I'm working with a, a company, a business, where there's a partnership. If my response to them when they're struggling is, well, that's a good thing, because you know what? If you agree on everything, one of you is not necessary here, and probably you're pretending anyway. So the compatibility is the willingness to join together and stand together and commit together and have each other's backs with a common core of values together. And I'm not talking about the interests that you have and the likes and dislikes, but the core values. If you value the deepest pieces of what it means to be human, that's compatibility. The problem is we have this belief that this compatibility should be everywhere in life. And the problem is when it's not true, not there, it's not the case. When you get to normal and you realize that this person see things differently than you and they see the world in a different way, they like different things and go about decision making in different ways and personalities aren't the same. And then you go, wow, we must not be compatible. Well, that doesn't mean you're not compatible. It just means that you've believed the wrong myth about the relationship. That often gets us into trouble. A part of that compatibility is believing, and this gets us to our fourth myth, that a spouse should know what I want or need. I shouldn't have to say it. If I have to say it, something's wrong there. You know, if I have to show somebody how to treat me or show somebody how to love me, then there must be something wrong in the relationship. There must be something wrong in our relationship because if somebody loved me that much, they should just know what I want and know what I need. This is that mind reader myth that we carry with us. And the problem with that is we can't read each other's minds. We don't know what somebody is needing at any one moment, any time, unless they've made that clear. And so the problem with this, and this is one that really gets a lot of people in trouble, is they, they believe that their spouse should read their mind, and when their spouse doesn't, they must have gotten the wrong person. There must be something wrong with that other person, not realizing that it's going both ways and not realizing that no human can do that. We have to teach people how to treat us. 
We have to let people know, know what we want and what we need. And if we don't do that, that's, that's on us, not on the other person for, for not having read our mind. And so this is one of those myths that seems to pop up over and over and over. What you notice is that these are some common pieces that fit together into one large piece about this we should always be happy, which brings us to the fifth myth I wanted to mention today, which is you should always feel in love. In love, not just be loving or feel love, but feel in love, and that that's a hallmark of a good relationship. We believe that uh, somehow in this myth, that passion should always be there. Now, remember, the second myth, we talked about you should always want to be together. That's a myth. And related to that one deeper is this myth of always feeling in love, that passion. Research pretty much shows that that the, what Gary Chapman calls the tingles can last only about 18 months or so in most normal relationships. Now, that doesn't mean it goes away completely, but it's not a consistent, constant feeling in our lives after that period. So you might still have times, you know, you, you dress up for each other and you go out and you, you look at the other person, you go, wow, this is that person and you feel the butterflies again. Or, or maybe it's on a, an overnight trip somewhere to celebrate something. You, you look over and go, wow, that is that person that, that, you know, used to really get me going. And then you go, wow, something's wrong here. I don't feel that all the time. I don't feel that all the time is then when you believe this myth pointing to the fact that there's something wrong with this relationship. The fact is that feeling of being in love can ebb and flow in any relationship just as that feeling of wanting to be around the other person and always wanting to be together can ebb and flow. Every relationship has a place where it needs both connection and space. And you can get in trouble on either extreme. There are couples who have so much space between them that they have lost all connection. And then there are others who are so together that they've lost themselves. And in a healthy marriage, we find a balance point where we recognize that not every day is going to be filled with passion. Not every day is going to be filled with excitement and, and with that infatuation feeling. Not every day is going to be caught in making decisions together where we agree on everything, where we like the same things, we always want to be together, where you're just sure this is the one. Some days are the normal days of life where you might not feel as connected as you would like, which is an indication of working towards the connection, not that anything is wrong. There may be days when you just don't see anything alike and you realize that part of that connection is having a, a shared respect for each other's views, that your work towards what's best for the relationship and best for the family and best for everyone by asking the, that question, what's the best decision for us? You see, a lot of couples get caught in asking that decision of what's best for me and what's best for you and miss the us, the we that's in the relationship. Imperfect as two people can be together. That relationship can be about compatibility and connection because it's based in commitment. Compatibility and connection flow from the commitment. And when you nurture the connection, you rediscover the passion. You find a new place for being in that, 
that, that deeper sense. Remember, there's always that place where we can make a shift from that early stage of infatuation to a later stage of true connection and true love, unless we get caught by the myths. If your marriage is in trouble because one or both of you have believed one of these myths, I'd invite you to grab my Save the Marriage system. It's a great way of figuring out what the right way through a relationship is, the right way to be in a relationship and to be in a marriage. Join me again next time as we continue our discussion on the myths of marriage. You've been listening to Save the Marriage podcast. For more information and help, please visit us at savethemarriage.com. Thank you.